Welcome to Pipeline Podcast. This is episode number 10. Today we're talking with Jana Linsenmeyer, who's a good friend of mine and is the VP of Marketing at SAP, uh, where she's leading uh, marketing for uh, the mid-market in North America. And you've been there, what, like good six months less? Oh, wow. I think only a little, three and a half, actually. Three and a half, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it feels longer. It's though. like relatively new. This is like a new initiative for SAP that they're doing to try to expand into mid-market. It's a new thing for them, right? Yeah. Well, and we actually have a lot of customers in that space. Okay. Um, actually, about 80% of our customers are mid-market. Oh, but, really? Okay. But we really hadn't um, put a lot of uh, marketing behind right. that space because right. our, our uh, bread and butter has always been in the large enterprise space. So. Right. So now that's like somebody woke up one day and was like, oh, my God, all of a sudden all the money is, you know, coming from mid-markets. Like maybe we should, you know, put somebody in charge of that. Well, and yeah. You. Yeah. And SAP has um, a much bigger portfolio that we, you know, through acquisitions, mm-hmm. um, we have a huge portfolio. And we actually have a great offering for the mid-market segment. Um, so lots of solutions, uh, Concur, yeah. Field Glass, Success Factors, all these great tools across many different line of businesses. Um, and so many acquisitions that have happened, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we have this great solution for mid-market. And so now we really want to put some um, muscle and make sure that the mid-market segment knows that uh, SAP has a great solution for them. Yeah, yeah. So I I really want to talk. That is really interesting because I'm sure that like trying to rationalize all those different brands is, you know, yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to come back to that though because mm-hmm. first I want to just like hear, uh, you know, about your background. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how did you even get interested in marketing in yeah. the first place? Like yeah. obviously, you know, you've climbed the ladder so to speak and like and we worked together at, at nintex yeah, right yeah um where you guys were a customer of ours yeah. and uh, and you've been also at microsoft mm-hmm. and held leadership like great leadership roles at many really great companies so where'd you start yeah. i mean where'd you start that journey yeah so uh out of college out of my undergrad um i you know it was 2001 and it was uh the tech boom right like yeah. if you that that was the place to be is in technology so I actually started off in IT as a software tester. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and then I think they all realized that I talked... Like trying to break the code. Yes, and, yeah, yes. Okay. And I think uh, I was a bit of a fish out of water there because um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a chatty person and yeah. I enjoy engaging in conversation with people. And I think... Um, Eventually, they, they realized, wow, she, she probably talks too much for someone that needs to sit behind the computer. Right. They were like, why are you trying to talk to me? Like, um, But uh, uh, yeah, so I was actually promoted to a lead. Okay, right. <laughs> um, you know, those who can't teach, right? So, um, or those who can't lead. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I slowly, over the course of um, years, um, as I was at, working for AT&T, and I was testing okay. their, um, their CRM. And um, over the course of years, I would I, I moved to an analyst position where I was defining requirements, and then slowly got closer to the customer. Right, and it was um, like moving in through that like product exactly. management kind of role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then got to a, a point where I was looking at um, our online customer care system mm-hmm. and um, getting requirements on as far as what can we do to make it um, uh, help decrease calls into the call center, right? Because yeah. everyone knows when you call to a call, when you call into a call center, the first thing you hear is a recording that says, you know, you can do this online. Right. <laughs> so that is what I was trying to do. That's what you do. hear now. That's it's probably not what you used to hear like, you know, 15 Back years then. ago. No, yeah, no, no, exactly. no. Back then, um, yeah. you know, they hired people like me to try to figure out how we decrease call volume through online enhancements. Right. So, um, 
so that was when I started to really get into the, the customer side and thinking about um, how are we helping the customer and not, I mean, you, everyone should be thinking about the customer, but you know, I was actually defining requirements around it. Right. Um, and that's really where my passion was. My passion was um, the customer experience. What are they, what are they going through? Yeah. Um, more of the U- UI piece. Um, yeah. And uh, I did, I did go get my graduate degree um, mm-hmm. from University of Washington in their um, uh, user-centered design uh, program, oh, really? okay. School of Engineering, and um, just became really passionate what about What was that it. experience like? Well, I was doing it in the evening while I was going to school, yeah. uh, while I was working yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, um, so it was totally easy? Totally easy. Were you it living like, on Bainbridge Island at that time? No. No, okay. I was in Seattle and luckily just down the street from University of Washington. Yeah. But um, it was a uh, it was a great, great experience and great program. Um, I learned a lot on how people consume information. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're talking about technology, um, it's it's tough. Like right. these, these topics are tough. And and it's actually ironic that a lot of what I'm doing in marketing right now or what I think about in marketing, I do reference my, my time in user-centered design right. because um, we have very complex topics, especially when you're talking about enterprise resource planning. Right. Like it, it's very complex. Right. And the tendency is to throw every feature functionality at a prospect up right. front. And it's really hard to distill it down to more of a, a value statement right. um, at a higher level. It's very hard. And so I think back to my time um, in graduate school mm-hmm. and, and how we talked about how, how to effectively create um, content and experience um, so that people can consume it. Right. So it was, uh, um, I really enjoyed my time in the program. It was, yeah, it was hard. Um, <laughs> weekends of studying and nights, I, I, I think class was like 6 to 10 right. in the evening and then went to work at, you know, 6 a.m. the next morning and commuted on um, the bridge 520 and yeah it was um where were you working at that time I was at AT&T oh, okay still yeah. at AT&T yeah, still at AT&T yeah. um, still in IT yeah um and then uh I actually got uh, recruited to Microsoft okay um I had implemented a search engine which at the time <laughs> which at the time was very innovative like Bing Jr. Um, yeah yeah I think it was um back then it was live Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, at the time, I had implemented a uh, Google search engine on our site, or I think it was a search functionality on the site, so mm. you can actually like search for something mm-hmm. um, on on uh, att.com, right? Um, to find what you needed, and uh, it was 2006, and that was um, that was innovative right. at the time. Like, right. you, you, there's not a lot of people who had done stuff like that, and then I used like um, on a corporate on a corporate site, like, exactly. Because <laughs> even at that time, like search wasn't what it is today. No. Yeah. Because like no. when did Google, I mean, when did Google even start? Like 98? Like uh, yeah. Around yeah. that time. Yeah. And around 2000, they really started to pick up um, right. uh, popularity. And, um, but we were using it on our site for also intelligence of what people were looking for. So right. when you implement a search engine, you know, you can see, okay, people are searching for, you know, their detailed billing, or I, I can't even remember um, right. what the top call drivers were. And and then we wanted to build like, out. what's this charge on my account? Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually it's around billing, right? Yeah. So, um, so we could use that intelligence to help uh, evolve the user experience. Because mm-hmm. if we know everyone's searching on this one thing, well, clearly it's hard to find. And that's why they're searching for it. It should be like front and center. Right. So, um, so that's how we were using it. 
And um, I got uh, a call from a recruiter for Microsoft saying that they were building out um, a search um, advertising uh, support team. That's okay. a, a team that actually was supporting the advertisers who were advertising on live. Oh, got it. Um, and uh, they, they asked if I was interested in interviewing. And I thought, oh, man, I'm not a search engine expert. <laughs> I, this is not like there must be a mistake. <laughs> um, I, I immediately went out and bought a bunch of books on search, engine, <laughs> on, uh, on search engines. And uh, I, I, was, I was pretty upfront, like, hey, I'm not an expert on this. I just dabbled. Um, and uh, they, they still wanted me to come in. And, and um, I had the opportunity to um, interview with some amazing uh, leaders at Microsoft who were really leading the charge in that area, which at the time was, um, I mean, they were really the underdogs at that time because mm-hmm. Google was huge. A lot of people hadn't even heard of live and certainly not right. using it regularly. So um, it was really exciting to, to join that business and be part of um, building a team. So we were in a big company like Microsoft, but we were building this new business um, and we grew very rapidly. And um, my team uh, worked with the small to mid-sized advertisers. Yeah. Um, and that's really where I, I started to um, get experience with that segment, with that audience. So you were audience. kind of like partnering with them? Yeah. Well, we were supporting yeah. them. So yeah. I was managing a support team. Yeah. So still not in, not in marketing at this point. I was managing a support team. But we were supporting um, advertisers. Right. And, so like and they're having an issue. Yes. Or, yeah. you know, at that time, they're like, just tell me what CPC advertising exactly. even is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was new. Right. Um, and a lot of times they need help. Uh, setting up their campaigns, right. and um, it uh, and we would help them do that, and then uh, we would help them with reporting and insights and what's effective, and mm-hmm. um, so it was a huge, obviously, learning experience for me to learn about um, uh, CPC and even SEO. Um, we worked very closely with the display teams, people who were doing bigger um, advertising on MSN. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother ball game, but it was um, got visibility into that. So. Really, that was my my introduction to marketing, and it started off as digital marketing yeah. and managing a support team. So you're um, like supporting the marketers, exactly. Yeah. Yep, it's supporting the marketers, and uh, I loved it. I loved yeah. it, and I love that we were supporting small to mid sized businesses because, you know, some of these folks like they, they bet their mortgage on on this, right. and and um, it uh, for me personally it gave a lot of purpose, right. You know, knowing that uh, we were actually helping impact people's lives and their businesses. Very and directly. Directly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know when you get up to these larger companies, um, you know, they're, they're people like myself who is an employee of a company. And, right. um, you know, if a campaign doesn't do well, it's like, oh, you know, better luck next time. Um, but for these folks, they had a lot on the line. Right. And, um, and it really uh, made me feel committed mm-hmm. to them. Um, so it was, uh, it was great. It was a ton of fun, um, uh, building this team. It was just, there's a great sense of camaraderie and growth and just fun, fun spirit mm-hmm. of uh, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. Is that right? <laughs> it um, never sounds right to me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that so, word has never oh, come out of my mouth And then just try easily. to spell it. Yeah, I cannot I <laughs> spell that for the life of me. I can't even spell it close enough to get spell check to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you I have that problem all the time. Yeah. yeah. The spell check's like, I have no idea what yeah, you're going yeah, for here. Yeah. yeah. Lost on that one. Uh-huh. So, um, 
so, so yeah, so that was my introduction to marketing. And then from there I moved into, um, an actual marketing role and I was, um, the office, um, small business product marketing manager. Okay. And so that was like the true first marketing, like build out a marketing plan for office, small business, um, which at that time was sold, um, as a full full package product in retail, but also through volume licensing through, um, uh, mid-sized companies. So, um, so yeah, so that was kind of the, the first true marketing role. And it was so fun because I was able to really take all the knowledge from digital marketing and my own experiences to, to create a plan and, um, work with retail teams and, um, work with agencies to build out messaging. And, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was just really fun to, to get exposure to, to building out campaigns end to end. And, and then re- of course, reporting on them, right? right. And looking at effectiveness and, um, yeah. So Did that this actually go anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then from then on, I, I've been in marketing ever since. Yeah. Different. That's one of the great things about marketing mm-hmm. is that especially, you know, uh, today because of the reporting tools have gotten yeah. so good is that, you know, you talk about that like user centered design or, you know, having that connection to yeah. the user, you can really tell, you know, with very high degree of feedback now, you know, whether you're touching that user oh, in a yeah. meaningful way, right? Yes. Like, are we having the right, in, the impact that we intended? Mm-hmm. Are they getting it? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that you almost can't with product design. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the future marketer, um, or even today's marketers, the ones that are coming out of school now, um, I think having a mind for analytics and research and, mm-hmm. and I don't even a mind for it, a passion for it. Right. Like you really have to be passion, passionate about finding, um, a story out of the numbers. Right. Um, is going to be so valuable, yeah. so valuable. Cause that's constantly what we're doing is looking at the numbers and the data to figure out what's, what's working, right. what's effective, what's yeah. that right mix. And it's always changing. That's all changing yeah yeah and it's variable depending on who you're talking to who's your audience what size business mm-hmm. you know there's just so much going on so many variables yeah and the second you figured something out <laughs> other people start to figure it out yes. and then it stops working <laughs> yes yeah 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 you know and we were just um talking about this at work the other day about like terms that get overused sure and um i'm actually trying to avoid n- saying any of those terms because I don't want to offend anyone who <laughs> might have a marketing campaign and market using these terms. But um, there's just a lot of buzzwords, right? right. And buzz phrases. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll start using a phrase thinking, oh, this is super innovative and it's catchy. And, um, you know, six months, a year later, everyone's like, I'm so sick of hearing about this. Like, <laughs> please don't say that again. So that's, uh, that's challenging too. Right. From a messaging perspective. <laughs> so after, uh, so you left Microsoft, obviously, at some point. Yeah. Um, now you're at SAP, so I know there was a lot of stuff in the middle. I mean, we'll, <laughs> oh, just like 12 years. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll skip past that stuff. So tell me about your new role at yeah. SAP. What are you doing there? Yeah. So I am leading uh, marketing for North America targeted to the mid-market segment. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, you know, a lot of our business previously um, has been, or I should say a lot of our marketing previously has been targeted to large enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, something that not everyone may know, um, I think it's, I might get this stat wrong, um, 75 to 80% of the world's transactions run on SAP. Wow. The world's transactions. That's I mean, amazing that's a, it, it, it is. And um, a lot of it are these 
massive enterprises or governments or, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, They're all running on SAP. Um, but, uh, there's a huge opportunity, uh, for mid-market companies to leverage the same technology Mm -hmm. that has helped these companies become who they are today or these, um, companies grow with SAP, billion dollar companies that grew up on SAP. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an opportunity for these mid-market companies to actually util- to take advantage of our, our growing portfolio. Um, we just purchased Qualtrics. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> I, think know. I, I think I heard about that. Yeah. There was a little blurb <laughs> in the news about it. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure that was on the front page of the Wall Street yeah. Journal. That was a bold move. It's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. And, um, you know, it's more... I, I'm not a Qualtrics expert, so I'm probably getting out of my my swim lane here. But um, I, I did see that the CEO spoke at our, our field kickoff, and mm. it's just super exciting that um, to use analytics in improving the customer experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not just you know reporting. It's right. like how are you actually improving your your customer experience by um, from insights. Right. So, um, but yes, that's a perfect example of like another. Uh, uh, product in the in the product portfolio that mm-hmm. mid-market co- um, companies can take advantage of mm-hmm. with SAP. And so, um, you know, it's not your father's SAP. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the SAP of <laughs> yesteryear. And you mentioned a couple others. You uh, said Concur, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Bellevue company here. Yeah. Success Factors, mm-hmm. which I think is in the Valley, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's several Oh, you're going to quiz me on locations, I, are you? Well, I've... <laughs> Shoot, that's all. That's as far as I can go. Okay, so, I'm like, oh, uh, please don't keep saying. Yeah, I I don't have the uh, yeah. gray, the rubric uh, yeah. somewhere to. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. Three and a half months in. It's a huge company. Yes, yes right? a huge company, and adding. And portfolios. you made lots of these acquisitions. Lots, yeah, and yeah. we. You know, from a mid-market perspective, we have a lot of solutions. We we look at it by line of business, and sure. so okay. a ton of great solutions around um, HR and right. employee engagement. Um, customer experience, mm-hmm. um, and marketing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course our, our core ERP, which is really what, um, what our company has been built on. So, right. um, and analytics, you know, we have a whole suite of analytics, um, tools as well. So there's, there's something for every line of business, um, mm-hmm. within the SAP portfolio for mid-market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you guys go about reconciling those things? I mean, cause it, like, so at Avalara, we had yeah. a similar thing, right? Yeah. We did a lot of acquisitions, not as many as SAP, but maybe not the same, uh-huh. you know, volume yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in dollars, but still, you know, nevertheless, we did quite a few. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we ended up with, you know, many different products that were focused on different either point solutions or different, you know, market segments. Like, how do you guys go about reconciling those in terms of the, you know, just the branding, mm. cross-selling, all these different customer bases? Is that a challenge of the job? Yes, it is a challenge. That's for sure. Um, it's it's really aligning the solutions to the audience. Mm-hmm. So not every product in the portfolio is going to be relevant to every purchase um, uh, decision maker, right? Right. Um, and so it's really looking at each decision maker and their role and what do they need mm-hmm. and then aligning uh, portfolio products mm-hmm. to their needs. And one of the things, and so, so it's not too product focused and that's actually one of the things that I'm really trying to do right now in my role is it's so tempting to just lead with a bunch of products. 
Right. Look at all these products, you know, and actually I kind of leaded that with that in the conversation, you know, like look at all these portfolio or look at all these products in our portfolio. But that's from a messaging, a marketing messaging perspective, it's not, um, well, number one, it's not effective. And two, it's, it's alienating, right? Sure. Um, as a technology can be very overwhelming. Yeah. And even if we think about something like um, buying a car, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a car expert. If I walked into a dealership and they immediately started telling me about the intricacies and the feature functionality of a car, I would get overwhelmed. Right. And I, I'd probably just say, you know what, I'm, I don't have the mental capacity for this right now and, and it, I'm going to go home. And it may not even <laughs> be the car that you need. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and, and I don't even know how to decipher all these things that they're telling me into what I need because they're not using my language. Right. They don't you're know like, what's wait, important you're trying to, to sell me, me a yeah. Ford Focus. I really want an F-150. Yes. You know, why are yeah. you telling me about this other thing? And I may not even know what an F-150 is, but <laughs> right. I might I might be thinking, you know what? Um, I need something to keep my kids entertained on long car trips. Right. Sure. <laughs> like, I need Nobody the, has that problem. I need yeah. the, the screens in the back. And <laughs> right. that's that's the language I would use. I right. need the screens in the back of the car. Right. Show me what has that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's filter by that. I don't need the, the fancy words for, um, you know, all the technology. or And so... Um, I use the car buying experience as an analogy because it's something that most of us have been through. Um, and we're not all, we all are kind of at varying degrees of knowledge and, and passion around cars, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing with our, our audience, especially if we're, if we're targeting someone who's non-IT. So if we think about targeting HR, mm-hmm. um, an HR decision maker or a marketing decision maker, um, they may get overwhelmed with all the technical details. And so totally. we can't lead with all these products and everything they can do. It's just, it's frankly inappropriate. So one of the things that we're doing is really trying to get better understand the pain points. Mm -hmm. What are you experiencing on a day-to-day basis? Is the pain point that you don't want your CEO to get another customer complaint email? Mm -hmm. That that's a pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can we help with that? Um, Inventory management, you know, that is a pain point. Managing cash flow. Right. ARAP, accounts receivable, accounts payable. Like these are all challenges that people face. And so we have to speak in the language mm-hmm. um, that they are thinking in right. and tie our solutions to that and not overwhelm them with the massive suite right. of products that we have. Right. You don't want to say, here, let me give you every you know, feature exactly. of you know, SAP <laughs> or success factors or whatever. But you want to say, okay, you're an HR leader, you know, I bet, you know, you might be running into this kind of problem. Is that true? Tell me about that. Yes. Yes. You know, if so, like, so, hey, I noticed you have, you know, two kids. I bet that they might be driving you crazy when you go on long car trips. Do you go on a lot of long car trips? Well, in that case, you might want these screens. You know, let's talk about the cars that have the screens. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, okay. and that's and you know from a in a from a sales perspective, you can have that conversation, right? Yeah. But with marketing, it's tricky, right? Because we don't, you don't know, you don't get to like have that conversation. And so it's so, like a design problem. Exactly. One might say it all goes back to design, <laughs> right? Um, it is a design problem, and I think that's where the user research comes into play. Um, we've also been doing social listening uh, yeah. to see what people are are talking about. Um, just within your customer base or just on your kind of hashtags or like broadly across different topics that you, uh, broadly across different uh, prospects, customers, um, lead space, you know, um, uh, different types of, um, tools that offer the, the social listening services. Um, 
but that, that helps us figure out what's, um, what, what are the pain points? Like, what are people talking about um, as far as the, the challenges they're facing in the business? Um, you know, of course, we can always go out and do research and surveys, but, you know, now with the um, with social listening, it's so much easier to gather that data and gather that intelligence and then um, and then really creating messaging that uh, yeah. that speaks to that and, and mapping the um, the solutions that the products provide to those pains and mm-hmm. making sure that they understand how it's meeting their their challenge. Mm-hmm. And you guys are a partner led uh, marketing organization. Yeah. Right? So is that part of it? Is that a challenge? I mean, going from we can create all this great messaging, but then like, how do we get partners to adopt it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm glad you mentioned that because we are yeah. a, um, a channel centric um, or uh, company yeah. and, and especially in the mid-market That's space. a better way to put it? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't trying to. That's a buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be sick of that in a year. No, uh, channel, yeah, we're, we're very channel focused and um, we do we do lead with our partners and mm-hmm. um, our partners offer, uh, they take our solutions to a next level. Mm-hmm. They, they help create the solutions for a specific vertical or even a micro vertical. So this would be like in system integrators or like VARs? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They would say like, I'm an expert in, you know, maybe like healthcare exactly. ERP. Exactly. So if you're a pharma company, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know all about how to do that and how to set SAP up for you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's really um, the, val- the value that our partners really bring to the table is they have expertise in that area. So going back to the, the customer challenges, mm-hmm. they understand the challenge that, you know, uh, a healthcare provider would face. Mm-hmm. Um, even taking it down to uh, some coworkers and I were, were joking, there's like micro verticals, like the concrete industry, you know? Like, right. I, I could not begin to think of what somebody that works in the concrete, concrete industry uh, deals with, right. but there could be a partner who has developed a very specific solution for those challenges. Yeah. And so... Um, that's why our channel is so important to us mm-hmm. because they can do that and mm-hmm. they have the ability, they have the knowledge um, to do that. And so what we try to do um, from a, a partner program, partner marketing perspective is provide them with as much um, tools and resources to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from content and messaging, but of course, you know, they always take it a step further. Right. So I can give them some um, messaging that's more higher level or speaks to these higher level pain points. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's use inventory management as an example, but yeah. they can actually take it into like a more specific micro vertical and right. make it their own and their solutions. So a lot of our partners are building out um, package solutions where they're tying in their own IP um, in, in with the SAP software um, to, to meet the needs right. of those, the unique needs. So they're like going in and like tailoring SAP for the concrete industry, let's yeah, say, yeah, right, and then they're going out and trying to sell that, like you know, whatever you know, niche add-on mm-hmm. that goes along with that. Yeah, Got yeah, it. and I mean, ideally, it's repeatable, right? Yeah. And that's why these package solutions are so powerful, mm-hmm. is that they create a package and they're able to, you know, sell it, you know, to, to many different companies in the concrete industry. <laughs> <laughs> I really should have found a better example, <laughs> um, but but you get my point. The donut industry. The donut right? industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the baking industry. Um, it's funny because I was actually just talking to a partar recently, and they they do have a solution <laughs> targeted to that. Industry? Yeah. That, 
perfect. That sounds delicious, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but I know. Uh, how come how come we didn't get into I that know. business? I know. Oh, I I think that would have been dangerous for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so the partners really do um, help extend the value. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, with these packaged solutions, it's also easier to market, right? If yeah. you have to create a custom solution for every customer you interact with, right. how do you market that? Right. It's like, well, it depends on you know, what your needs are, and we'll design this custom thing for you. But if you have these packaged solutions, um, you, can, you know what the value prop is of the solution, and you right. can get very specific and very targeted, and it's just much more easier to, to market. Right. Yeah, I mean, in a way, like trying to solve everyone's problem is just the same as trying to solve no, no one's, one's problem. problems. Yeah, that is, it's so true. That yeah. we're, that's the trend. The trend is um, that partners are um, becoming more competitive by differentiating themselves with vertical solutions through yeah. packaged products. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting time. Yeah, and we're working on uh, something with you guys uh, as part of your partner program right mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. allow uh sap partners to spend their mdf uh bdf funds mm-hmm. uh directly with bonsai yeah um i don't know do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that yeah absolutely shameless you say, know, shameless, shameless plug, plug. Here. Yeah, so. <laughs> well you know and, and, and shameless plugs aside it, it <laughs> is it is um it's it's extremely valuable right so so one of the things that, like I said, we're a, we're a channel-led business. We want to support our partners with the tools they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. So we have something called a partner benefits catalog. Mm-hmm. And so it's a catalog that they're able to go out to and, and um, go through uh, a, approved or vendors that SAP has selected for them to do um, a, a myriad of marketing activities with. Mm-hmm. One of the areas that our partners were... Um, struggling with was um, driving attendance to events. Mm-hmm. Field marketing. Field marketing, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so um, I had previously used Bonsai uh, in, a, in past companies and actually even for partners in, in previous companies, mm-hmm. um, offering it up as a service. And so I had seen it be successful, um, specifically in situations where a partner is holding the same type of event in multiple locations. Sure. So kind of going back to that like packaged product, when you have your, your, when you have your recipe of success yeah. um, for an event and you just repeat that across like the how country. Do, how, it's like, how do we scale this? Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's when I have found it to be um, the most successful where, you know, a partner will come to us and say, hey, I have this event series going mm-hmm. on, and but I just can't fill it. Right. <laughs> what can you do to help us fill it? Right. Like we have, we've developed this great content, yes. for example. Yes. Like we're the market experts, whatever. Yeah. We've worked with you guys to build this great content. We have speakers lined up, whatever. Yeah. Um, but now we need to drive, you know, drive attendees. the leads through it. Yeah, right. absolutely. We need to drive attendees. And so um, that's when I have found Bonsai to be the most um, helpful mm-hmm. in, in those types of situations because it's a, you know, uh, I also think, and I'm curious to get your, your input on it, I, I think your callers get get really good at the content, on the mm. session content, right? If you do just a, if you just have the one event, that's great, but the more and more and more they promote this particular event, mm-hmm. they, they get better at it, I would imagine. And so I think that um, 
um, running a, the same type of event, especially if it's a proven event, like you mm-hmm. know your content's good, you know that your recipe is is um, proven out, right. why not run it in multiple locations? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that I think that's the biggest, you know, the biggest thing. Like, so for example, we see people do like, um, like imagine that you're doing a webinar. Yeah. And let's say you do five webinars and you notice that one of them, you know, generates two or three times as many leads as the rest of them, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, And so in webinar, you would think, well, how can I, you know, run that same kind of thing all the time? Mm -hmm. In events, you have a different problem, which is you might say like, okay, great. Well, we know we've got this great content that's working, Yes. but now we need to actually like take this to a broad scale in the field um, and actually engage people in the field. And that means just different regions, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, we see, you know, where our customers are really successful is if they can find that like recipe that works really well, and then they can use our platform to take it to scale, Um, you know, do it in five or 10 or, you know, whatever locations. Um, And it gives them the time and the flexibility to focus more on the content, which is really, you know, where they're the experts. you know, whereas what we do, you know, it's a very, you know, <laughs> arcane type of thing, right? Yeah. It's like all these best practices, yeah. all these things that go into it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, building that catalog of best practices would be really tough, I think, for any individual, you know, field marketing manager or marketing manager to do because they're just not seeing hundreds and hundreds of yeah. events a year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's and that's really why. um we wanted to add this um, as an offering to our partners. Um, and, and when we work with them, and we're just now getting started, as you know. Yeah. Um, so we, we do have a partner that we're, we're running this with right now. Um, we do, they, they do have a series of, of events across the country. And, um, and so it's, it's a very repeatable motion. And like you said, it's a very scalable um, program. And mm-hmm. so... That's that's how I found it to be most effective, and I'm I'm really excited that this is going to be a new offering for partners because we've been getting a lot of requests for support in this area. Yeah, well, we're really excited to to do it with you. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the biggest plug we've ever done right, so far. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> that's definitely true. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, I'm excited about because it's a it, it's a plug for me from our partners too because um yeah. I want to help our partners at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I want them to be successful. That's how we're all successful. Um, and so it's it's a service that I, I believe in, and I've used it before. So Well, thanks. Yeah. So that's a great segue <laughs> um, into, you know, measuring success. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're thinking about a, you know, where you guys are in the position of, like, you know, following that channel mm-hmm. or trying to lead them, mm-hmm. I guess, like, trying to, you know, steer a speedboat from the water skis uh, <laughs> in a way. So <laughs> how do you guys, you know, how do you guys measure your success? I mean, what, you know, what is your team, you know, gold on or, you know, what do you yeah. track that performance on? And how do you track the performance of the mm-hmm. partners? Yeah. Well, I'm sure anyone who, who's in field marketing can probably relate to this. Um, our, our goal is our success is pipeline, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so my, my primary stakeholder is, um, the, the leader of our sales organization. And so mm-hmm. I work very closely with him, um, and making sure that we're providing his organization with the pipeline needed. Mm-hmm. Now, um, 
like I said, we're, we're channel-led. And so our AEs, sales, sales folks, um, uh, work hand-in-hand with the partners. They, like, partner up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so um, that's really where we help um, or that's where we're trying to help um, do a little bit of matchmaking, right? Because we work okay. with the partners from a marketing perspective. We are working with the partners. We're working with the AEs. And so we can help the AEs um, connect with the partners that have particular solutions that, um, that can support um, an account or a prospect that they're, that they're working with. So Got it. Um, essentially, the AEs can use um, the channel as, their, as an extension of them. So like you might say, hey, we've, you know, this AE is working on this lead that's a baking company. Yes. <laughs> we glad away from the concrete. <laughs> yeah. Good, 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 good move. Uh, <laughs> so we got this yes. lead that's a baking company. Yeah. We're trying to, you know, put together mm-hmm. a package solution for them of, you know, what we can do. And we have this partner that's got this great, you know, add-on to yeah. SAP that's specifically for baking. So let's Absolutely. loop them in. Yeah. And then they can provide, you know, additional sales support or additional, you know, information to help drive that decision. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. that, that's exactly how it works. And, and, you know, they, once again, they have the expertise with that particular um, vertical or micro vertical. Um, you know, AEs aren't going to necessarily, unless they're a specific industry AE, but they, they typically aren't going to know everything about every micro vertical. And so that's where the partners, you know, it comes in as a, as a valuable addition to yeah. pull them in. Um, sorry, I don't think I actually answered your question around the rip- or how do we track success? You dodged <laughs> but, it. But why pipeline? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm thinking my if my, my sales stakeholder was listening to this, he'd be like, to to dodge a pipeline. Me, so. I mean, <laughs> I do I do want to, I think from a reporting perspective for an events, I do think it's important to have a pre and post event digital strategy. Yeah. And I, I do, you know, digital is the best way to get uh, reporting because yeah. you can track so trackable, activity. Yeah, exactly. um, I've always struggled in the past with reporting from events mm-hmm. um, when you don't have a digital strategy in, in orchestration with it. Right. And so um, this is this is me answering the question I want to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is, but it, it does tie to it. Um, <laughs> having an effective pre and post event digital strategy yeah. is key to the actually developing reporting out of it, but then also um, uh, driving pipe from it. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many partners, and I've done some events in my past, before I've learned, <laughs> in my younger <laughs> years, um, where you do the event and, and nothing happens afterwards. Yeah. And then you go back, and sometimes these events are very expensive, and you say, well, what happened? Well... I don't know. We, we sent the leads over like to sales. A lot and of people showed up. You yeah, know, yeah. They, people were supposed to do call downs or, you know, and, and there's no there's no really good tracking. And so um, having a post-event uh, nurture right. um, or a post-event communication strategy is um, is huge. And you can also use those events or the, those field marketing programs as a nurture for yes. digital leads. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's a great point, especially with webinars, right? right. So, um, yeah, so when we think about pulling in new prospects in top of funnel mm-hmm. and it's like, how are you going to work them through that funnel? Um, the webinars are, are huge for that. And in fact, this is a little interesting tidbit. The company I was at previously, we did do some research on the effectiveness of webinars. And we did see that while they weren't necessarily the best at driving new leads or new, new prospects, mm. they were great at pipeline velocity. Mm. 
So we actually saw that leads would work would get worked through to closed one mm-hmm. um, faster mm-hmm. if they attended a webinar. Now I don't know if it's chicken or egg situation. Like I don't right. know if like well they were already more engaged so they're more likely to right. attend a webinar. Um, but I do wonder had we not offered the webinar, right? They wouldn't have had anything to engage with, right? So um, well so they I, can't be engaged until you offer something for them to engage with. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, and sometimes a white paper or an ebook or a, p- a piece of visual content is not enough. Right. And webinars are are relatively inexpensive. Right. And so, and then you have the asset, right? So you run the webinar, you have the asset, and then you can continue to promote it. Right. So, um, I'm a big fan of webinars, especially when it comes to um, pipeline velocity. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great insight. Oh, can I add one more? Yeah, please. I'm on a roll here. Do it. <laughs> Just because we we did learn so much about webinars. Um, we originally, at a private prior company I worked at, we originally um, were, were running very product-centric webinars. We had yeah. our product um, managers um, really driving that messaging, and because um, they were the so experts. So in other words, they were like going through features, like yeah, like like many demos. Kind exactly, of. Yeah. like hey, we have this cool product. Come and find out everything about this product. Mm-hmm. Um, those webinars were not as successful as we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And we almost gave up on webinars because we thought it was the webinar. Mm. Right. We thought it was the medium. Right. Um, and we started talking to the sales team, um, specifically the inside sales team. Mm-hmm. And they, they were just like rolling their eyes at us. They're like, seriously, like what people want to talk about are these other topics. And this is what I get calls about. Like when right. I'm on the phone with these folks, this, these are the things they're talking about. Right. And so tying back to the pain points, right? Mm-hmm. Spe- going to them, uh, meeting the prospect where they are using their language. And they, and so we said, well, great. What would you talk about? Mm-hmm. What if we had you guys run a webinar? Right. And they were, they jumped at it. They're like, great, we're going to do it. So they, we had a sales, um, we would have a, a sales rep um, team up with a pre-sales technical person mm-hmm. and we would have the salesperson talk about those pain points like hey you're probably experiencing these and these and these things here's how we can solve it and then we'll show you a little sneak peek of peek at the product and you can see how it how it's doing that and we let them um basically help create the the content and wow. they present it on the webinars and our webinar um, attendance and engagement just skyrocketed yeah now it also helped that the sales people were more vested and they were actually driving the attendance because it was their 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 thing um but uh it it was a big turnaround for us in in running webinars is having um having the sales team heavily influence what we talk about like really forming that true partnership with them where you're not just saying like you're not saying you're going to be the consumer of the pipeline yes but now like you know you're actually part of the content too yes yeah yeah and we're all in this together right yeah and i I, it was it was a huge learning for me yeah i I really do think getting sales involved in in those types of and they love it too right because it's also selling at scale yeah like in fact that's the conversation i had with our one of our sales leaders you know he he said if i can get on the phone with someone i can i can you know sell them i can actually close this deal and i said well what if we got you on the phone (laughs) I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see me. What if we got you on the phone with 500 people? Right. Could you close, once again, air quotes, close them? Because the closing may be just getting the next appointment yeah. or, or getting, you know, moving, moving the prospect further down the pipe. Um, and he said, yes, yeah. I can. And so we, we tested that out and started putting our best, our best um, sales folks on, on these webinars. And um, 
it was it was really effective. Yeah, that's great. Very engaging. I, I've never heard of anybody going to that extent. Yeah. Like usually there's like a Chinese wall. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really great. That's a great idea. We're well, gonna have to try that here. Especially, um, especially in the in the bigger companies, I think it's very tempting to sit at tables with other marketing folks mm-hmm. and pontificate and theorize on messaging and um, the sales right. the sales folks are, like the ivory tower yes. mentality. Well, and the then sales we pass folks down are like, the content. You're welcome. Like, <laughs> right. We've blessed it. We've blessed you know, this is now, marketing approved. Right. And then what happens is sales gets it and they're like, this isn't gonna work, and they right. go create their own stuff. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, that, yeah, that's when you know you really got a problem is when you have sales reps putting together content. I know. I know. It's like, oh my god. So my my take is always you're more successful when you work very closely with sales. It's just yeah. better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. When you can have that like tight partnership. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a really we're, great. We're in insight. it together. I mean, when you're talking about demand gen marketing, it's basically selling with words and pictures. Right. <laughs> well, and it goes back to what you said earlier about the pipeline, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at the end of the day, like if you know, your sales leader is like if if you if the sales leader does not feel like what they're getting from you or the numbers don't support yeah. that what they're getting from you is actually working, then it really doesn't, you know, matter. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right? Like yeah. if they're not able to turn that pipeline into deals, then they're just gonna discount it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of something I heard at our field kickoff last week. Um, don't confuse um don't confuse hard work with results. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we think, well, we did all these things, pat on the back, right? <laughs> but what did it drive? Right. Look at all this great activity. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes, sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Right. Sometimes you have to do things more intentional, less things more intentional and thoughtful. Right. To actually provide a bigger impact, impact than do like a, a spray and pray um, marketing method. Yeah, I mean, I have this, I have this like sneaking suspicion that you know most, at least SaaS software companies, yeah. you know, are wasting most of their marketing resource on you know like somebody said like I know half of my you know marketing dollars aren't working. I just don't know which half. Yes, yes, and, and heavens forbid you pull the plug on the wrong half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then you have a hundred percent not working. Yes. Exactly. I know. I know. Exactly. Yeah, it's a constant, you know, pulling different levers, trying different things. Yeah, and and, and you know, we're kicking off our new fiscal, and I'm a big ban- big fan of like proven performers to start with, like because you right. need to build that pipeline, and then as the pipeline starts to build, you can test out some different things. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the new job. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. It's exciting. It's Three really months exciting. in, so yeah, we'll do we'll do like a V two. We'll check okay. back in. Where is she now? At like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is she still there? <laughs> no, I love it. I yes, I think there's just so much opportunity, and um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for doing it. Thanks. Like I said, yeah, we'll we'll do it again. We'll do like a one year, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have, I'm sure Check I will in. have a lot of lessons learned. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to hear them. Awesome. awesome. See you then. Thank you, Yana. I appreciate it. Thanks.